I'm Simon King, and this is What's Wrong. Uh, apologies for any background noise you might be hearing. I'm actually sitting in my car. Um, this is not a car cast. Well, I guess it is, because I'm technically in a car. I mean, I'm not in motion. Um, if was in motion, I mean, the lack of motion does not define... Motion or no, no motion does not define the vehicle. The vehicle is the vehicle. But um, what, I, what I'm saying is, uh, I apologize for the background noise. It's, a, it's quite a, a lovely hot day, and uh, so I have the windows open. I'm sitting in a quiet place to record, and this is the quiet place that I have. I wanted to talk today about um, the worship of youth and um, how our culture being targeted towards or being kind of uh, praising youth, praising um, that over uh, experience and age is uh, is so detrimental. And this is not just because I'm in my 40s, uh, but I want to talk about being in my 40s and what that means. I mean, and the reason this bring, I bring this up is because I'm my brother recently had a significant birthday. Um, one of those birthdays where you're kind of like, oh, I did not, like time's gone by. And then I wondered why I was thinking about that. Why? Because I'm 43 years old. I don't feel like what I think you're supposed to feel like when you're 43. But then everyone I've ever talked to who's, as they get older, they, they say the same thing. So I wonder whether that myth, that fairy tale that's being sold to us is a little bit more um, ingrained than we kind of realize. First of all, I think, you know, th- there's a lot of reasons why society prides youth. Um, there's, there's, the, there's the sex appeal aspect for fertility and children and everything. And that's an inbuilt thing. That's a, you know, a really inbuilt thing. Um, prime breeding age and everything. That's, that's that drive. Um, and then there's the production drive, the ability to produce. I mean, the initial, um, you know, thing with youth was, you, you know, you are more capable of defending, fighting, hunting, blah, 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 blah. And I think now we look at it as you're more capable of producing. If you owned a company... And you had two employees to hire. One was uh, 55 and you knew you'd probably have that employee for maybe 10 or 12 years. And the other employee that was potential was 25 and you, you had that employee potentially for, for 40 years, 45 years. Um, I think you would see, well, what's the value in training someone and teaching someone if they're not going to be here long term? But in terms of company production and what, what I can get from this person, even though the older person may have more um, experience and initially be able to bring more to the table in that way the young person is more moldable um, and long term so if you can get the young person up to speed even if it takes 10 years you still have um, you know 30 uh, 35 years of an experienced worker uh, that you've invested in that worker produces and provides and 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 that's why we prize youth, the physicality of being able to produce. You know, if you have two people cutting down trees and one is older and one is younger, the older person perhaps has more experience cutting down trees. Um, and so they'll cut down one tree very well in an hour. The younger person may not have as much experience cutting down trees, but they can cut down three trees half as well in an hour. So even then, they are worth more on paper to you in the majority of uh, cases. We prize youth because we consider that chronological, and like I said, this is not just coming from um, you know someone who is who is getting old. Because I I am forty three, but in many ways I feel like I'm uh, you know I, I really didn't know who I was. I really didn't have any clue who I was until I was well into adulthood. I mean, if you were to ask me when I was sixteen who I would be at twenty six, I wouldn't know. And if you ask me who I you know. At 23 who I'd be at 43 I would have no clue I would have become this person that's part of the adventure of life is learning yourself is becoming something you weren't I mean, and yeah have I lived up to my expectations for myself of course not no I, 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 very few people do 
I thought I would be in a lot of a different, much different place than I am now. But have I lived up to my expectations uh, in terms of who I've become, what I've brought to the table? Um, I would say more so because I didn't even have expectations of myself at this. So I think that, you know, when you're young, you have value in that you are physically valuable because our society also is developed to teach people to be good producers, good workers, good, you know, your job, like look at school. When, when you, when you're in school, you are rewarded for following rules and you are punished for not following rules. You don't get detention for failing. Right. And that's a Noam Chomsky thing. It's absolutely true. Um, they don't give you detention when you do poorly in class. Usually they give you detention when you don't show up on time or when you skip class because you didn't follow the rules. Most of our our system, everything we, is designed to create people who produce things for the machine because the people that run the machine and the people that operate the machine may not even realize that they are also part of that, but, um, and they have their purpose in operating the machine as well. It has become this all-encompassing kind of, um, it, it's, it's, it's become this monster that I think we've lost control of because when it's on an individual small level, when you're dealing with you know, a group of people in a village or a group, you can, you have ability to control that machine, the ability to control hierarchies and labor distribution and everything. And when things get too big like this, I think people get lost. Their identities get lost. The individual is not prized. Uh, what the production of the individual is, is prized. And usually, typically, young people produce more um, than old people or can be reliably seen to produce more than older people and have more potential long-term to produce than older people. And like I said, that goes down to the employee, 30 years old or 50 years old. And so, you know, I think that, because I, I feel, if, if, say you're 40 years old and if, and you know, you feel like, oh man, at 40, I've only done this much or whatever. And you could magically somehow reset your age to 35. Would you be more happy with the person you are or less happy with the person you are? Would you be more um, I mean, I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about like, you know, if you, you know, you could be physically 35 again, you'd be less, less worn. And I'm talking about who you are in terms of time. Look, with that extra five years on the end of your life, because I, I sometimes wonder if we knew how long we were going to live. Like if, if, if I at 43, if you told me, OK, you have 20 years left, I'd be like, OK, the, the sense of urgency is there. Um, but also the, the value for time increases, even though the, the value for time should be the same. Um, but if you were to tell me, okay, Simon, you've got 63 years left. Oh, I'm going to be 106. Well, 63 years, that's longer than I've even been alive. So all of a sudden I think to myself, well, how many of those are productive years? And, and who am I going to be and how can I? Because I, I often get mad at myself that I have not, uh, say, written a book yet. Because I've always wanted to write a book and I haven't, I haven't written one. And, and I, I, I used to think to myself, well, this, this sucks. I mean, I wanted to write a book by the time I'm 30. I wanted to write a book by the time I'm 35. But well, what are those arbitrary numbers? Why? Because the book that I'm capable of writing now is much better than the book I was capable of writing at 30, and that's for damn sure. And perhaps the book I'm capable of writing at 63 is going to be much better than the book I'm capable of writing at 43, and hopefully that's the direction things go in. And if that's the case, I'm too young to write that book in my summation of me as a person, individually. It doesn't matter what age. There's a freedom that comes with getting outside of that, you know, you know, finest under 40, you know, finest, you know, uh, not even 30 yet. And this success, there's, there's, a, there's a, a value that, that gets out of it. As long as your life is not dependent on your physicality, if you're a professional athlete or if you're a laborer, etc. if that's something that you're dependent on, then yeah, I can see as, but then that's the value that you've, you've placed on yourself. 
Um, and that value is, is, is fine. That value is whatever it is to you. But when, if you know there's an end time to that value, if you're a professional athlete and you know that by the time you're sort of in your mid thirties, you're wrapping it up usually, uh, and that's for most sports. Um, then what happens after 35? If you, if you stop playing baseball at 35, what, what, what happens to you? Are you, are you no longer worth anything? No, you, you're, you're old for an athlete, but you're young for a person. Because you ask the person at 45, if they go back to 35, on paper, most people would say, yeah, in a heartbeat. But, but if you judge yourself by one thing and one talent and one skill and one thing you bring to the table only, then you have kind of reached the end of your usable life, which is gross. But that's the way we are programmed to think. That's why a lot of times when people retire... And they kind of shut down and they stop because they no longer feel like they have purpose because their purpose was to do their job and, you know, bring money in or whatever it is to provide. And when that's gone, all of a sudden there's this emptiness of well, what, what, what am I? It's not about I don't have anything to fill my time. It's I don't have anything to fill my soul. I don't know who I am because I've been told my entire life that my value is what I can contribute to the machine is me pulling this lever and stamping this license plate is me digging this hole is me catching this ball is me um, being a model whatever it is that youth is tied to that value um, and when that's gone whether it goes when you're 65 and you retire or you're 70 and retire or when it goes when you're 35 and you have to stop being an athlete whatever it is when that initial value that you have also bought into and placed on yourself is gone um, the psychological uh, nuclear bomb of that is phenomenal. I've seen it happen to older people that I know. Um, they it, the loss of purpose um, is so damaging. And this is coming from someone who, you know, is a professional comedian and has not been able to be a professional comedian um, for the last fourteen months. And that is my purpose, and my purpose has been gone. It's been taken away from me, um, and so I feel a very small tinge of that. If I was permanently retired. If I didn't have to come up with, you know, if, if, if that was it, if, if the world told me, hey, good job, you're done now till you're dead, um, that would break my brain. So the only way to fix that is to find other value, to replace that value. So if your value is, you know, if your value is what, what society has told you or what you've told yourself that your value is that I, you know, I, I'm really good at uh, putting up, uh, you know, houses. That's my thing. I'm really good at putting up houses. If, if that's what you in your brain have decided your value is when you're no longer capable of putting up houses it's your value is inextricably tied to that physical aspect of your life and so when that is removed your value in in, of your as yourself is if you unless you're careful your value goes down you don't value yourself as much and you see this with some people who fall into bad habits when they age and you know and they, they don't because they don't have purpose they don't have reason they don't have and, and it's not a matter of hobbies. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of finding value in yourself. I personally believe I am much more valuable as a human now than I was when I was 23. If that was the other way around, I don't know how I'd feel as a person now. If, 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 if I had tied my value to my youth, when my youth was gone, I don't know what I would be doing. But I am lucky enough that I'm in a profession and that I, that I, I come from a background and I kind of have the mentality of, well, I, I'm really valuing. And don't get me wrong, the, 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 there are times, particularly as a comedian, where I feel like, oh, I'm getting too old to really make it and you know, nobody really does it. And, and so that, that definitely exists. I'm not saying that doesn't exist in me. But overall, as a human, in general, I do believe that my value has increased exponentially as I have aged. And I hope 
against hope that that continues and I continue to have value and I continue to grow value um, as I age. So, you know, the person I will be at 63 compared to the person I am at twenty at 43 um, will be as significantly different as the person I am at 43 compared to 23. And that, that to, to me, that's inspiring. And to me, that's hopeful. And uh, that fills me with great optimism because I believe that I will be a better, more productive person one day. And so I have tied my value to growing. I have tied my value to being better. And I, like I said, I'm lucky enough to be in one of those professions where uh, that is the case. You know, a, a lot of times the older you are in, in the arts and stuff, the more experience you have, the more, you know, the more places you can take yourself, the more uh, don't give a fuck attitude you can have potentially and you get to be a better artist. And I think I've been very lucky that I'm in one of those jobs. Um, but even if you're not in one of those jobs, you don't have to tie your value to your production. You don't have to tie your value to um, how much money you make, how much you bring home, and you know, and your youth. Because if if you if you make a million dollars, like I said, you know, I've, if you make a million dollars at forty, everyone's like, oh, that's pretty good. If you make a million dollars at twenty, everyone's like, that's amazing. And it is. It, it's an accomplishment because people accept that the lack of experience in life and everything means it's means it's remarkable but they also think well you know look at the potential that person has if they've if they've made that money already at that age what can they potentially bring it never occurs to anybody oh well it does but i mean it, you know and uh, by and large it doesn't occur to people that you could look at someone who's 40 and be like oh that person made a million dollars at 40 it took them that long to learn how to make that million maybe they have 10 times the experience and will make a billion you know and if that's if you tie your value to uh, your economics, which is also something we're taught. We're taught that you go to school. Um, why, why do you go to school? Well, the majority of people, you know, they're taught to go to school. You go, you go to school, you get good grades, so you can get into a college, so you can get a good job. Well, what's a good job? What do you mean by a good job? If you had a job that you loved, that you really wanted to do, that fulfilled you and made you happy, but paid you almost no money, would people consider that a good job? No, the majority of people will be like, well, you're going to school to get a job that pays you money. So that value, the value of education now is, is economic. But that's not correct. The value of education is, is, is a human value. It's a depth value. It's what you can bring to the table. It's what you can teach your children or people around you or whatever it is. But if it's purely, I'm going to school to get this job, I'm going to, then, then the purpose of going to school is to get a uh, you know, and this is for people who tie it to that. I know there's lots of people who go to school because they, they do something they love, and that that's fine. I'm just talking the general consensus in 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 modern Western society is you have to go to university, you have to go to college, and you have to continue getting educated because if you don't, you won't make enough money. It's not you won't be a well-rounded person. No one ever says, well, you got to go to university to be a well-rounded individual and bring more to the table as a human. It's never that. It's always like, well. Because you can do that without university. You can learn things without university. You can go um, teach, you can travel the world, learn things about everything without university, which in, is, you know, schooling is a good way to look at it. If, if you look at life as school, you know, when you're 20 years old, um, you know, you've kind of just graduated elementary school and then you spend the rest of your life experiences and everything. I mean, if someone spent 10 years in school as opposed to two years in school, you would say that the person with 10 years in school, by and large, probably has more to offer than the person with two years in school. But we don't see humans as that. We don't see individuals as that. If someone has an extra 10 years in life, you don't necessarily always see that as a value over and above the person who has 10 years less in life. And I'm not saying this to say that 
you know, young people don't have a lot to offer. Of course they do. Of course they do. But um, I think we prize potential and because um, potential is, is an anchor around your neck. Potential is such a dangerous thing because if you look back on it and consider yourself to have wasted your potential, if you look back at yourself, like I, I have this battle with myself numerous times where I believe I could have done more. I believe I could have produced more. Well, what, what could I have done? What could I have produced? What am I measuring myself by? Am I measuring myself by success? Am I not a successful enough comic? If I was sitting here and I was capable of selling out arenas, would I feel better about myself? Or would I still have these kind of thoughts about who I am and what I brought to the table? If, if you said to me, you could be the person you, you'd have to be the person you were when you were 25, all your thoughts and everything and everything you know and everything, you go back to 25, but you can fill arenas or you can be the person you are now and keep aiming towards that goal, but then when you get there, you'll get to be who you are now. Well, I mean, that's a tricky decision because, you know, going back to 25, you think of it as having all this time, but what am I going to do with that time? I mean, ultimately, once you've achieved the, the production goal that you're going after, the, the, the making the money, whatever it is, the, the economic value that we've tied to ourselves, once you achieve that, what's then the next goal? And that's the thing is, is we don't see that. We see the goal as what you can provide, how much money you can make, uh, you know, can you provide good children or whatever it is, you know, that's how we see other humans. Because I think the human being inherently is kind of a user because that's the way we have to be, because that's the way we've evolved to be. And I'm not saying that we're going to snap out of it and suddenly change our society and become something new. Um, that's gonna take a long time to do. But I do think that one of the ways we can do that is, is create more value, um, not just in our media and everything else, but in the way we individually treat older people um, because they bring, like, and I'm guilty of this too, like I was talking about the pandemic and, and, you know, the majority of people who've died from the pandemic have been into their 80s and 90s. And it's really easy to be like, well, you know, their 80s and and, and the general consensus is that if, if the pandemic was killing people in their 20s and 30s, it would be much more of an issue. I mean, I'm not saying it's not being treated as an issue, but it would be much more severe and, and dangerous because it would affect the supply chain. It would affect the production. Whereas if someone is 80 or 90, it actually kind of has the opposite effect. If someone who's 80 or 90 dies, it reduces load on the system. Because we value humans by economics, by, by what they can provide. In reality, when someone who's 80 or 90 dies, I mean, as long as they're, you know, still with it, um, we lose a great resource a lot of the time. You know, we lose a potentially great resource of, 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 of emotional understanding and, and, and intelligence and education and all the things that we've lost. We lose those things when someone older dies. But, you know, if you were to ask, like I said, if you were to ask someone, you know, what's worse for the economy, uh, you know, 25% of all the young people who are working, the working class dies, or 25% of the, uh, not the economy, sorry, society, 25% of the older people die, or 25% of the younger people die, most of the time they would say, well, if 25% of the younger people die, that will have a damaging effect on the economy. And that's true. It is true. I'm not saying that's not true. And like I said, it, it, sadly, it is often the other way around where, you know, if the majority of people on social security and everything died, then the load on the system would be reduced. But we're all going to be there one day if we're lucky. So do you all of a sudden not have any value when you reach 75 or 80? No, that's not true. And no reasonable person would ever suggest that. But from a purely black and white economics point of view, that's the way we see people. 
So the older you get, the less valuable you are to the system. And it should be the, it should be converse. It should be the older you get, the more valuable you are. Because you may be less valuable in terms of production, in terms of what you can physically do, what you can bring to the table, how fast you can work, how hard. But odds are good you've gained so much as a human that the kind of person you are, I mean, not, not all cases, obviously, but the kind of person you are is so significantly superior to the kind of person you were when you were young that you're capable of bringing much more value to, to, to the world. I feel like, you know, it's very easy for me to write this off to myself as being like, well, it's, I'm, I think like this because I'm older. I didn't think like this when I was young because I was younger. And I think that's probably true because like everybody else, I felt the value that society has placed on me. I felt that if I was a wonderkind, if I'd a, accomplish things young in youth I would have they, those things would somehow be worth more like if I get famous tomorrow it wouldn't be as valuable as if I got famous at 25 well that's not true at all it doesn't matter when you achieve your thing and, and, and it is ridiculous to me that that I place value on the idea of fame but I do I place great value on that that's, that's, that's the mot- one of the motivating factors in what I do it's not the primary motivating factor, but it's definitely up there. If you ask me if my life would be significantly better if I had that success, I would instantly say yes. And, you know, in many ways it would be. But would I be a better person? Would I have evolved to be this person had I had that success early on? Probably not. You know, if you... if you, It's almost like if you don't struggle with something, you don't develop the muscles, right? So if you don't struggle with who you are as a person or being if you're just handed things early if things are given to you you have no reason to grow so your value then becomes purely um you know the physical for a while and then when you get old you don't have as much value when you're old i think the more you educate yourself the more you learn the more you you travel the more you meet people um the more you educate yourself emotionally i think that just increases your value as you go it's it's compound interest you're just getting more valuable. So when your physical uh, abilities eventually stop, you cease to be as valuable to the system that way. It, the whole time you've been building up this secondary purpose, this secondary value that has given you so much more. And, you know, ironically made you much more valuable in the long run. But if you don't do that, if you don't, if you don't continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to get better and, and, and try to strive to be a better person and more deep person and more educated person than you were when you were young, then you kind of hit the ceiling. You reach the point where this is what my value is to society. My value is that I have muscles and I'm young. My value is that I'm, a, you know, an attractive girl. My value is that uh, I'm an athlete. Whatever it is, if you don't find value outside of that, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not downplaying the value of those things. Uh, to you know, if if you put a lot of that's fine, but don't just pigeonhole yourself by one thing. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be because then when that thing goes away, there is nothing else. Like I love being a stand-up comedian. I, I love it. Um, I've I've not been able to do that for fourteen months really, and my value of myself was and is inextricably tied to being a stand-up comedian. So what I who I consider myself as is a stand-up comedian. If you, you know, it's, it's, it's as much as if, if I, I thought that if I was not a comedian anymore, I would lose who I was completely. And I'm not going to lie. I've lost a piece of myself, 
But instead of seeing it as it's all downhill from here, I'm, you know, now I've lost another year of my career, blah, blah, blah. I realized that this year off for me personally has probably made me a better comedian in the long run. The value that I have given to myself, instead of seeing this year off, you know, losing my career for a year and not being able to perform for a year, which is what I had tied my personal value to losing all that, instead of that having a detrimental effect on how I feel about myself, it's actually increased my self-esteem because I realized that I can survive without that life preserver. I don't need it. I can swim. If you said to me tomorrow, you cannot be a stand-up comedian anymore, I would be terribly sad. I would really, really miss it. And I would always miss it for the rest of my life. But I would go on and I would find other things that I can do and other value that I have. And that's, I think, what I'm trying to say. And this podcast is a bit muddled. And as anyone who listens know, I, I don't write this down. I just kind of talk. And it's very stream of consciousness. And so I, I hope the point's coming across is that, you know, as, as society, as individuals more so, we have to start seeing the middle of our lives and the ends of our lives that it is, as instead of, you know, it's all downhill from here, we just keep going up. And when you get high enough, when you get to the top, that's when you die. That's it. So you just keep climbing. Just keep learning, keep growing, keep being someone. Because if you keep yourself, you know, if you keep value in yourself, if you keep seeing yourself as someone who brings to the table productive, but not necessarily in a physical way, then you will always have that purpose and you will always have a reason to be. Because without a reason to be, why be, right? So, and if you tie your reason to be to your physicality or your youth, then you're heading into a thunderstorm. But if you realize that like, okay, well, I'm this person now, but I know that if I keep growing, keep becoming a better person than, or different person, then I'll have somewhere to go. I'll have another road to take when time comes that my body, you know, my youth is not, doesn't give me what I once had. I really believe, you know, when people say 40 is the new 30, um, you know, I, I think, Tying it to chronological ages like that is ridiculous because if you said, if you said basically, if you said life was separated into three parts, it was separated into like up to 30, you were, you know, um, elementary school or, you know, and then 40 to, to, to 60 or, you know, high school and then 60 to the end of life is university in terms of like how you value yourself as opposed to saying that, you know, 40 is the new 30 or whatever. If you take those artificial clocks off yourself, those artificial timers off yourself, and you refuse to participate in the chronological decision-making of society, sorry, the decisions of society that are attached to chronology, if you just refuse to participate in that, and if you go, no, I'm just going to keep, I'm just, I'm valuable, I'm going to keep being valuable, um, then at least one person will get it, and that'll be you. So I don't know if my point's been made, I don't know if it comes across, but anyway... Um, I have a, uh, podcast, uh, email. You can email me at www.skpodcast at gmail.com. Send me a letter. And if you're interested in, uh, two for the show, I talked about it last time. Um, one for the money and two for the show are both on my Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash this is Simon King. You can go there and you could download both those albums. There's also a little video comparing one joke. So I put a little video up so you can hear one joke back to back. So one joke from one for the money and one joke from two for the show and the same joke. And you can hear them back to back and see the difference. Um, yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And um, I guess that's what's wrong this week. <laughs>